Hey, you're listening to Millennials Leaving Mormonism. We were raised in the Mormon faith, and now in our 30s, we have decided to leave this high-demand religion. We chat about our story and reflect on our journey of deconstruction. Hopefully this helps others if they have decided to leave, or just provides people with reasons why some do. We hope you enjoy. I think moving forward, it should just be known that this is mostly your podcast, and I'm just here to chime in. It's my world. You're just living in it. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Okay, well, we decided to start this podcast because we've, like many people, have recently left the Mormon church after growing up in it, and we just felt like there was a good um, opportunity to share our story and our experience and some tips and things that we've found beneficial along the way. Um, But first, let's talk about how we were raised in the church. So both of us were born and raised Mormon. How was that for you? (laughs) Growing up in the church, uh, I'll be honest, I've... I think I was unusual by I never enjoyed going to church. It always felt like a chore ever since I was little. All through teenager years, every week was me not wanting to go. And I believed it 100%. I knew that it was true. And it was something I was going to do for the rest of my life. But I just knew I didn't like it. And so it's not that I had any bad experiences. I'm actually kind of happy that I grew up in the church because I think it helped me avoid a lot of problems that I might have run into but uh, I didn't enjoy the actual church attendance or church rules and stuff like that yeah you said you were unusual but I don't really think that's unusual I think a lot of youth especially were like do I have to go to church I don't want to wake up I don't want to go you know I have two days off of school I don't want to spend one of them three hours of church at the time it was three hours plus you were already going to mutual like during the week and it took a lot of time yes it did there's really really awesome people in the church a lot of good friends um but i think even as an adult you know going to my 20s going on mission getting married all that stuff um it i never have enjoyed church and so it was always difficult because again i knew that it was true but i didn't enjoy going it was just something that i had to do to get to heaven so mm-hmm. yeah and we'll talk a little bit about how we kind of figured out we didn't even like it once we were married <laughs> yeah which was a recent discovery yeah same here i was raised in the church i looking back i have a similar perspective like i enjoyed it uh just that the whole you know i i don't think anything really affected me too deeply i didn't really internalize a lot of the church stuff it was just kind of something you did because your family did it it was very like this is what we do every Sunday. And my friends knew I was Mormon. I grew up on the East Coast. So middle school and high school, very much the odd one out being Mormon. But I had really good friends in the church and out of the church. So that was a cool experience just to be able to be like social within the church um, and have those same unique, weird cultural things that Mormons have with other people. But at the same time, yeah, I didn't really internalize it. Just did it because I was supposed to. And honestly, it was fun. I The friends I did have in the church, I was really close with. And so we all kind of had fun doing all the mutual stuff and the girls camp and all that stuff. But that's kind of as far as I took it most of my childhood. And then um wasn't until we were older that I think we started being like, hmm. So, but we both met at the singles ward, which if you're not aware of what a singles ward is, it's basically when you're out of high school, but you're not married yet. They'll throw you in a ward full of people 
that are not married yeah. <laughs> in hopes that you will get married. <laughs> yep, pretty Which much. success on our end, but and actually was, a lot of success yeah, on Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of success. It was a really, it was probably the most fun I've ever had um, as a young adult was being in that ward. Met some really awesome people, people that, uh, yeah, definitely changed our lives for the better. They were really, yeah. really good people, which had a lot of fun. And um, yeah, that's where we met. And kind of, I knew right away that I wanted to marry this girl. What? I did. Oh, that's so cute. Um, <laughs> she had a boyfriend at the time, so I had to <laughs> convince her to break that off, which... It wasn't hard. It wasn't to too hard. me. Um, yeah, we had, a, we had a great group. And I do remember his long shaggy hair. His beach boy vibes really got me. <laughs> but yeah, we did meet at church and we had a lot of great friends, like you said, that were just, we just had a good group. And it wasn't a cliche, like we we, didn't, we were in California, we weren't in Utah. So everyone was kind of in this middle funk of their lives where they're like, weren't in college or they were, but they like dropped out or we were just kind of working and like figuring out our lives at like 18, 19, 20. Um, and so that made it really fun. So another just fun experience, but I don't think any of it was like, because of the spiritual aspect it was really just social that was how we had all our friends and yeah. we did a lot of fun things then came the moment of truth that we knew we wanted to get married and what happened next <laughs> we so almost did we, we had a really immature plan of our <laughs> it was a great plan we were gonna i was gonna work at mcdonald's was it <laughs> yeah well you went to hair school yes. and then once you graduated from hair school you'd be raking it in <laughs> And I would go back to school, or did we not even think even that far? I don't even know. I just remember writing it on this little slip of paper in your loft while we were planning out our future. In the Mormon church, if you are not aware, or even if you are, usually um, at 19, because you were 19, at the time it was 19 and 21, you would go on a mission for the church. Um, but he had not been on a mission yet. And so there was this elephant in the room, like, wait a second, you're going to get married and not go on a mission? Yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that. So I basically gave in first to the whole, your parents pleading, you should go on a mission. And me being like, yeah, I'm a people pleaser. You should go on a, let's please your parents. Go on a mission. Yeah. Right. And that's one thing that my parents were really, really awesome about is we came to them with this terrible plan. And instead of <laughs> laughing at our face and saying, that's not happening, they took us out to dinner and talked about it and said, hey, instead of getting married right now, why don't you spend some time, go on a mission, kind of find yourself a little bit and come back and see where you're at. Which, yeah, and I think the mission itself probably wasn't like something you would do again, if oh, I had to say. mission sucks. But I will say that getting not getting married young was a benefit for us because I do hear a lot of people in the church say like, oh, I wish I had a little more independence for a little bit or and just the fact that our whole plan was really immature and <laughs> wouldn't have worked out too well. Yeah. It would have worked out, but it would have been rough. Um. But yeah, so then you went on your mission. I went on a mission too because I just kind of decided, I don't know what I'm going to do either. And John's gone, so I'm going to go on a mission. So I also went on a mission. And your mission was awesome. My mission was fun. I served on Temple Square. And so it was a big sleepover party full of girls from all over the world. So I can't say that I hated my mission, although that's kind of when I think the whole 
putting things on your shelf kind of started because you have a lot of people that are antagonistic towards the church um, coming to Temple Square specifically mm. to tell you all the things that are wrong with your church. And some of them are true. But do you know that as a missionary? No, because as we'll talk about later, there's a lot of things you don't know. Yeah, I was in Argentina and down there, you, you know, you don't run into any anti-material or very, very little because most people down there are pretty Catholic and not super uh, scholarly, we'll say. I got home a year before him and then um, came up to school at BYU-Idaho. And then when he got home, he also came. Uh, yeah, and school was, I thought school was fine. It was yeah. good. Yeah, it's pretty strict, but nothing out of the ordinary for us since, like we said, we were just on missions. So in comparison, it was pretty normal rule-wise and stuff. It didn't take us long. We got engaged a couple months after that and then married a couple months after that. And got married in the temple, like you do, as Mormons do. Um, and I don't know, how was our how was our wedding? Our wedding day? Let's reflect. Um, kind of a blur still. Well, it was the hottest day ever in San Diego. We remember that. We got married in yes. the San Diego temple. Um, I remember being, as a girl, super disappointed. A lot of girls talk about this, that the first thing that he saw of me was the whole temple garb rather than my beautiful wedding dress <laughs> that I spent money on. It's like your first look, you know, and you see the, like the uh, bride walking down the aisle and the husband gets all teary eyed. Like I wanted that, but that obviously wasn't going to happen in the getup that we had to wear in the temple. So that was disappointing to say the least, but at least everything I had on was brand new. That made me feel a little bit, they had like a whole brand new set of everything. So I felt fancy. Yeah. But that was the one thing that was disappointing. But the rest of the day was, was great. And I was really happy once I got to put my dress on. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know about you, but that was the first time I had a, ever seen in person a Mormon wedding in the temple. And so for me, it was all, I don't know. It's not a very special moment when it's all <laughs> yeah. Mormoned up. We'll just yeah, say. it's definitely a weird kind of experience, similar to how the endowment is. If you are, if you were Mormon or are Mormon, that's, yeah. It's a weird experience for sure. But um, yeah, I actually like a little backtrack. I was sealed um, in the temple when I was 11 to my mom and stepdad. So I had that a similar experience before we got married. So yeah. I had like a little bit of a reflection like of that. But reflection, no pun intended, because there are <laughs> there are mirrors that you look through that represent eternity. Um, but yeah, not a very romantic, I would say very not romantic. Um, yeah, it's very strange. And since then, I wanted to go back and do like some kind of vow renewal just to have like more of a more normal modern wedding. So I'm like, maybe someday. We've already passed 10 years, so <laughs> we might have to wait another 10 years. But yeah, I think that's one of the one of the things I find very interesting in the church is the temple and, you know, the your temple marriage and all that stuff. Because everyone says how spiritual and how amazing it is. Really, it's just weird. And it was <laughs> when I did it, and I've just, you just lie to yourself and say, no, that was amazing. It was so spiritual and amazing. Like, I think it was just kind of weird. Yeah, I don't remember feeling any, I was just excited that we were like officially getting married, but I didn't, I don't think I had any like. I almost ran out the door. I was scared. <laughs> to marry me or do the temple yeah. stuff? Yes, both. Both? Okay. Well, too late now. The next step after that, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes babies in the baby carriage, right? So we had uh, a girl and another girl, and now we're having another girl. So we have three girls, um, which are wonderful. We love them very much. Um, and 
we actually, once we graduated, we ended up living in a very Mormony town. And because we're trying to stay somewhat anonymous, just because um, we won't tell you where, but lived here for basically our whole, our whole marriage, besides a little bit of time in California again, um, to be close to family. But, and then just recently, last year, 2022, is when we kind of had that faith crisis begin, um, which is a fancy way of saying we started doubting our faith. So how it started, I would say is my fault. Although <laughs> we they, we have the, you know, the shelf they talk about where over time you kind of stack some questions you have with the church on a shelf and eventually it breaks. That was kind of something that happened to both of us, but we didn't realize it till we started openly talking about it. But essentially I had some close friends from my mission and one of my best friends leave the church pretty close together and have questions about it and brought them up to me. Not to, you know, make me question myself, but just to say these are the things that bothered me and I'm leaving. And when you leave the Mormon church, if a friend of yours or close one has left, it is a big deal. It's like earth shattering news, like really like insane. And so that's kind of how it felt. Yeah, because essentially you feel like you're losing them forever. Yeah. They're, they're going to be. They're deceived. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they got tricked and they're going to not be with you forever because the only way to live with them forever is for them and you to live up to all the covenants that you made with God. Yeah. Yeah. And it's since it's such a high demand religion, you know, that's the thing. You're either in or you're out. There's no really riding the line. And once they're out, it's like it's you're yeah, they're getting cut off. They're essentially dead to you in a way. And it's really sad. And it makes you question your friendship with them or your relationship with them. And it's just all the things um, that kind of feel like someone died is the example that my best friend used, which I thought was a good example. Um, cause it does kind of feel that way. But then, you know, I, I said, okay, well after a couple months later, I kind of said, Hey, like, I'd love to know like kind of what more details about what sparked the, the questioning and made you leave. Um, and she went through a divorce and stuff. So it's a lot more complex than just questions with the church, I'm sure. But she did start sending me things that she read from like Instagram, from, um, different people that have left and, influencers things like that that kind of share their experiences and their thoughts and then also they shared a lot of the history of the church which brought me to the ces letter which is what a lot of people end up reading that kind of breaks their shelf which is just a a really good summary of like a lot of the history that even being raised in the church you don't learn about um, because they kind of hide it they hide it and they hid it for a long time and now they kind of brought it back out um with the gospel topic essays that you can read on the church website but it's still a little fluffy. But yeah. if you read the CS letter, you read things online, you start reading what they call anti-material, which is a way for them to control what you are reading outside the church to make it sound really scary, but it's actually legit. Um, and so I read that like all night one night and it was a day before we were about to go on a camping trip that we had planned all year. And the next morning, I don't remember, what did I tell you? I yeah, was you like, just I said, need to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to take, I might not go to church for a few days or something like that or, or for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And I remember when you said that, I was just like, well, I guess I'm going to be that guy that takes, you know, his family, you know, his kids to church without the wife because it wasn't even a thought that I would ever leave because I knew the church was true. It's like the sky is blue and obviously it's like, this is a known fact. It's true. And so now I have to do this by myself. Mm-hmm. And there's, I couldn't even conceive uh, a way that I would not be a member of the church. Cause it was, again, I just knew, I always knew that it was true. 
I didn't even like the church, but I knew that it was true and I was going <laughs> to keep like, doing it. like, this is the only thing. I've been taught that this is the only way, so I'm going to do it. And so when, yeah, when I first heard that, I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to do this solo and uh, I'll make it work. And then we proceeded to talk for eight hours because it was four hours one way and four mm-hmm. hours back about all this stuff, including the CES letter and all those things. And I was like, I, you know, it, it feels like you're in free fall because mm-hmm. you have all these things that you've known are true forever. Like, well, if that's not true. I don't know what's true. Yeah, it definitely feels like when you've been taught your whole life, there's only one path in this life. And then when you die and like, these are all the answers to every question you've ever had. And you believe it 100%, like you said, or at least you believe it because you were taught that that's all there is. Like you're, it's like, oh my gosh, now I don't know. But what's interesting, we're going to talk about this in a later episode, but like we both felt really good as we were talking about all the bad stuff in the church, like all the history, different things. We are going to cover some of that too, like in the next episode about the history and what we read. But essentially it was like, we felt warm and fuzzy, like the spirit, like we were both like, this feels amazing. Like, I don't know, this feels like the right thing to do. We should leave the church. Like we both, which is so unique because as we've listened to a lot of people's stories, like it's really hard when one spouse, if I were to leave and he wasn't, it would have been a really hard experience. It was just kind of crazy how we both felt good (laughs) about leaving. So yeah, basically spent eight hours going back and forth about things that we've, you know, now I know the reference is having stuff on your shelf. So we just talked about everything that we've put on our shelf. That's like, yeah, I've always thought that was kind of weird. Um, I'm trying to think of an example because now I've I've gone down the rabbit hole so far that I know everything. <laughs> no, but like, what was something unique? Um, well, Brigham Young was a big one in the beginning. Most people have a Joseph Smith issue at first, but we had issues with like the racism that he like just quotes from Brigham Young. I remember were some things that I was like, he was so racist and he was kind of a terrible person. And when you discover stuff like that or Joseph Smith's polygamy stuff was kind of unique or, you know, it was just... There was just a lot of things on my mission that I kind of studied out my mind and I looked for answers and I couldn't find them. And I just put them on the shelf and didn't worry, but I didn't worry about them for a long time. Yeah. And they all came flooding back when we started talking. And then we Um, talked for eight hours about every single one Eight hours is a long time to talk. So we decided just kind of drop the hat. Let's stop going to church, see how we feel. Like it was, it was definitely like an ellipsis kind of a thing. Like we're just going to pause and we're not going to go we're not going to tell a bunch of people um although he did have a sister-in-law leave a little bit before that or like stop going she was a convert and stuff so we kind of i think we opened up a little bit to them and that was really helpful to have his brother and sister-in-law to like talk to and not feel like we were all alone plus my friends that had left you know was helpful um and then after how many months six months or so of not going i i personally got kind of maybe what you could call it like existential dread where you're just like, oh, there's nothing. I'm like, and you just kind of go through like this, you get in this really dark place sometimes when you leave. And I think I was in this dark place and I started panicking a little bit and having anxiety and, and feeling like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to go back and I'm going to give it 110%. I'm going to do everything that I'm told I'm supposed to do as a Mormon because if I've already done the other thing, I want to try again to give it my all. And John was like, he was like, nope, I'm not going. <laughs> and I was like, that's fine. I was in the rabbit hole at that point. <laughs> he was already was like, yeah. researching a lot of Mormon. Yeah, which is fine. And I was topics. down the rabbit hole too, but I just kind of was like, I need to, I need to get a fair chance. So I was, ended up being the one bringing the girls to church by myself for six months or so. I did the temple every month for probably three months, maybe four months. Um, and I listened to the whole book of Mormon in a, in a month, which is wild. 
Um, and then I also listened to a bunch of like podcasts of people coming back to church that had left and just really like engulfed myself in like being a full fledged Mormon. I got a calling in the church. I talked to the bishop about my faith concerns. Like literally I was more committed then than I probably was my entire <laughs> life. And you know what I felt? Nothing. <laughs> no, that's, that's true. I felt anxiety. I felt stress. I felt but it also felt like I was being fake. Like it felt like I was trying so hard to feel the spirit and like have something pull me back that it just wasn't working. So I kind of pulled the brakes a little bit, but I still kept going. But yeah, I just kept feeling. And then I kept just feeling like I feel like I'm living a lie now. I feel like I can't. People use the expression like you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube once you've squeezed it out. Mm. It's like that's kind of what happened. It's like I already know too much. I feel like now it's just it's just a game almost. It's like, can I lie to myself again? Like we had good experiences growing up, so we didn't feel like our girls growing up in it was going to be a bad thing. Nope. But that's kind of changed, I think, now a little bit more, now that we've learned a little bit more about abuse and all these things with leadership in the church and things, we've kind of changed our view a little bit. But anyway, so I left again. <laughs> and uh, now since then, we've been, haven't gone for a couple months. And yeah, while you were going back, it was, I was definitely supportive. I was like, yeah, you go back do it 110 mm-hmm. percent but i was definitely a little bit sad and you were definitely a little bit less fun so <laughs> initially when we left it was like man like this weight like off our shoulders and at first it was like is it just because we have less of like a they give you so many things you have to do and whatever but but then i just realized i think it's just there is just such a perfectionism and you compare yourself and anyway we're going to talk about that later on in the podcast too but so after that um i told my parents the first time I left in an email and then we had to talk about it. And then of course, same thing. It's like, they, it's like almost like we were dying. We're breaking up our eternal family. Right. And then I went back and they were elated and I'm a people pleaser. So it was like, yay. And then he still hadn't told his parents, which is fine. And there was a little bit of pressure to do so, but we didn't. And they pick up on things though. Like when you stop wearing your garments, I mean, there's little things they can, they can tell. And obviously they did because they did ask a few family members like, is he okay? Is he going to church? Is he struggling? Yeah. Instead of asking directly because passive aggression is part of our Which faith. Which is so funny because <laughs> that, that term in the church, oh, they're struggling. Yeah. They're just not, they're not quite making it. You're like, I've never felt better in my life. <laughs> we like, are I'm crushing actually... it right now. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's yeah. funny how they, they have these terms and all that to mm-hmm. get you back in the church, but they were kind of tiptoeing around just asking directly if you weren't going and then yeah my... i was i was very scared to tell my parents yeah. cuz I, I was more scared to tell your parents than my own <laughs> <laughs> it's hard when it's, it's such a generational thing cuz mm-hmm. you know it's like it goes all the way back to the pioneers and here i am saying basically oh screw screw you guys and everything <laughs> that you've sacrificed i'm leaving the church or at least that's what yeah. it feels like yeah i mean yeah your parents have pioneer heritage they grew up in utah my parents have convert grandparents and, you know, my stepdad's a convert. So it was a lot less, a lot less intense. But yeah, well, the second time I left, it was like my mom knew and she brought it up to me. So I'd have an awkward, unplanned conversation about that where it was kind of heated. But now that's out in the open. And then we end up telling your parents and that's now out. That was recent. So that's out in the yeah. open as of recently. And they've been... And that's been good. They've been typical. I mean, they sent us scriptures and they... <laughs> bring up things and it's it's fine and that's just how life's gonna be for a while but um 
but it wasn't a terrible experience. Like we didn't get disowned. Like I've just heard so many sad stories and I'm grateful that both sides of our family were very understanding for the most part. So that's good. Um, but yeah, just, it is a hard thing to tell your family and that you are breaking up your eternal family and you don't believe the religion that they brought you up in. And I think it does put pressure on them to feel like they did something wrong, which that part is hard. It's like, almost like they're like, I know that they're reflecting and thinking, was it me? Did I teach them? Did you know, what did they, yeah. And they did thought, I not have enough family home evening? <laughs> did I not read our scriptures enough? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, they're always like, well, just don't be offended by people. And it's like, we weren't offended by anyone. I still, yeah. I still love, you know, I don't think I have very many bad experiences in the Mormon church. I yeah, think we're I had lucky for that. Yeah. one or maybe two experiences that I really wish wouldn't have happened. But I mean, that's mm-hmm. 10 years ago, 20 years mm-hmm. ago. It, I could care less at this point. But overall, you know, the Mormon experience was fantastic growing up. But um, yeah, I think moving forward, it's not for us and yeah. uh, probably won't be for our kids either. Yeah, and the deconstruction is part of like deconstructing, I guess, your religion, especially something that's so high demand. Some people say it has cult, um, cult-like properties, I guess, but I wouldn't go that far. Although Proper. properties, I don't know what the word is. Um, there are like cult-related things if you've ever looked into the bite model by uh, I think Stephen Hassan is the one who did it. Anyway, there are a lot of comparisons that can be made, but I think overall. Um, yeah, as you as you leave and the longer that you deconstruct, you do figure out more reasons why you don't want to go back. Because like he was saying, we both have good experiences in the church and we don't hold any grudges necessarily. We haven't had any like abuse or bad things happen to us in that sense. But you just kind of learn more and more and then you realize more and more that it's not for you and not for your family in that, you know, in that way. Um and it's hard because we have a seven-year-old who's going to be eight next year. And if you know anything about the church, you know that they get baptized at eight. She's our first. So that was one of the first questions that his parents brought, his mom brought up was, well, are you going to baptize her? I'm like, probably not because we're not going to be going to church. If she wanted to, great. She could totally get baptized. But I doubt she's going to care because she's not really going to realize what that means. Um, and now I'm even more a little, I'm a little more hesitant as I have learned more, like I was saying. And then we're having a new baby and there's a whole cultural baby blessing and yada yada so it does start like peeling away at things in your life and you just have to be like am I doing it am I not doing it but because we're not offended those things are still you know open-ended but so that's what kind of led us to where we are now and why are we doing this podcast honey um I think I think we have different reasons part of the reason why I wanted to do it was to kind of explain yeah basically that we're not offended we're not we're not leaving because it's too hard or we want to sin. When you're in the church and people leave, you have these automatic assumptions mm-hmm. and it's not any of those reasons. It's not. Yeah. It's like we're living almost the exact same life that we were living before, except we're not in a high demand religion, which is so nice. And it makes me sad when I think about all the time that growing up in my family that we could have spent together, that we didn't get time together because um, my dad was always in Bishop Bricks or always serving the church or other people or not that it's bad to serve other people but to the point that it was like I wasn't around him as much as most people around their dads because he was just always involved in the church and so and then a lot of the fights that I had with my mom was because uh you know we weren't doing stuff exactly how the church says to do it which 
they say to be perfect in the church and if you're trying to force everyone to be perfect everyone's going to be miserable so yeah. that's kind of the anyways that's my thought yeah that's one of the big things actually that there was there was a picture i saw on instagram of this family walking into church it's like a cartoon and the mom is like got stains all over her dress and there's like the little kids and the dad and it was right after COVID, I think, that this picture was created. And she says, put on your mask, like in the picture. And they're all wearing smiley face masks and it, at church. And it, that's what it reminded me of. It made me feel as though, especially the second time, like giving my full all after leaving the first time, um, made me feel like I was wearing a happy face mask. Where I'm like, I'm supposed to feel this way when I'm at church. And so many people do. And I think that's great. If you feel great there, like I don't think there's any problem with you going. Um I think you might run into issues like if you ever want to change your opinion on things and things like that. There's just a really cut and dry black and white situation in the church of how you're supposed to act and how you're supposed to believe. And yeah, I just didn't feel like I ever fit that mold. And especially as a parent and as a like, it's just like makes you feel so much overwhelmed. So like with your mom growing up, I'm sure she just felt like, no, I have to do all these things. Like this is, you know, these are the boxes I need to check. And like, I have to make sure I'm doing all of them. Or I won't have the spirit in my house. My kids won't be good. You know, it's just all those things. So I think starting this podcast just kind of helps us both deconstruct more and like talk it talk it out, have it like a little bit of an internet journal of our experience. But also, um, I personally enjoy sharing it with people that are close to me that want to hear it. Or if it if it does come across the interwebs of people that are actually interested in you know the church and leaving the church and stuff like that. Um, that would be cool too, but I'm not, we're not going to go out of our way to I'm not. be a social influencers. <laughs> I am going to post about it, but I'm not going to give it my 110% because I already did that with the church and it made me exhausted. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, we have about 12 episodes that we planned, including this one. So our next episode is going to be a little bit more about the history of the ugly history of the church and what we discovered there. And then from there, we're going to just talk about, different things about what's helped us and where we plan on going next and all that. So yeah, thanks for the listen. Thanks for doing this with me, honey. Thank you.